So in the Old Testament, there's a man called Job. You may or may not have heard of him. And he has an awful time. Um, all his stuff is nicked um, by raiders. All his children are killed in a natural disaster. And then he got up and tore his robe, is what we read, and shaved his head, and he fell on the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That's an amazing statement. How can Job respond? Well, because his kids were believers. He knew where his kids were. They were, they were right with God, and they were with God. Billy was a was a lover of Jesus. He won't have shoved it down your face, I doubt. And that doesn't mean that he was a saint in that he was a goody two-shoes. But he was a lover of Jesus. And so he was right with God, not through good deeds, but through his faith in Christ and his faith in Jesus' death on his behalf. So we know where he is. He's with Christ in a place which the Apostle Paul says is better by far. So from our point of view, Billy's gone too soon. We wanted to see him go on and, and be a prison officer, and we wanted to see what would, what would happen beyond that. But Billy's not been robbed. He's not been shortchanged. In fact, he's been given an opportunity to jump the queue and meet the Lord face-to-face -face ahead of time. So we're going to, we're going to worship, and Jess and Emma are going to lead us in, in three songs. Lord, I come to you. That's just a song about we're coming to the Lord for strengthening. Faithful one, it's a song about um, just how the Lord strengthens us in the ups and downs of life. And then a song blessed um, based on those words, blessed be your name. Whether times are good, times are bad, we're going to bless uh, the name of the Lord. So let's stand uh, and sing. And if you don't know the songs, then feel free just to hum along. <laughs>
Stay standing a second. So, Father God, we say what only people with strong faith can say, that you give and you take away, and there are days when all is fine, and there are days when all is pain. And we nevertheless say, blessed be your name for being our good God. And we still worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, have a seat. And this is where things get interesting, because we're going to hear some memories of Billy. So I believe um, Tom and Harvey are going to start. Where are the guys? 
So you can do it from here, or there's a spare mic, if you want it. He impacted so many lives, um, and made people so feel, feel made people feel so warm and welcome and comfortable. And he uh, will be sorely missed by, by us all, I know. And um, Harvey and I are going to share some stories from his close friends uh, and, and some memories from his life. Um, there is loads, loads were sent in, and we couldn't, we can't send them all tonight. But there'll be a book uh, made of all the stories that have been sent in. So thank you for all of them. Uh, the first one being. Uh, Billy lit up any room he was in and never failed to make everyone laugh and smile. He could make the best impact on anyone, even after talking to them for a few seconds. A skill which we'll always remember. I'll always be grateful for his, for his friendship uh, and I cherish every memory I had with him. From singing and playing his favourite songs together to playing video games all night, I'll forever be thankful for all the little things he did for me and the huge impact he had on all our lives. Next one. Growing up, I'd find Billy in my house all the time. And as annoying as uh, him and my brother could be, I assume I'm the brother, and that's not very nice, but anyway. Um, I, lo I, I love it. And uh, Billy quickly became another, like, another brother to me. He'd always make me laugh, or by doing something silly, like taking the mick out of my dad, and always gave, gave me a hug goodbye, which for a teenage boy wasn't very common. Some, some of my fondest memories of Billy are of playing music and singing with him. Wherever he was, he always put a smile on people's faces, and he always played play the piano and sing, and it was just a, it was a great time. Uh, and now some of my, my stories from Billy, and I've got pl plenty, but I won't share them all. Some of them rude, some of them not rude, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll carry on. Uh, first one is from our escapade in Portugal, uh, which we went paddle boarding. Uh, there was five of us. It was me, Harvey, Johnny, Jay, and... Uh, and Who else was it? That's really bad. <laughs> Sam, that's the one. No, it wasn't Sam. Who was it? Yes, he's already in my mind, that's, that's why. Uh, so we, uh, we hired some paddleboards, um, and we sort of went to the place. Uh, when we arrived, there was, uh, we, we couldn't find a place that we'd hired them from, so we thought we'd been scammed a little bit. But uh, uh, there was, there was no, no, no phone signal, so after a lot of walking, we finally managed to find it at the top of a very large hill, which uh, Billy wasn't very happy about, because there was a lot of walking. But anyway, uh, so we then went down to the beach after that, with our, with our paddleboards, and uh, in classic Billy fashion, he tripped over a drain and uh, broke his toe. Yeah, um, so, so we came on to the beach, it was quite a long walk down this hill, and uh, so we got to the beach, and uh, we checked his toe out, and it was fine, he was alright, we, we, we think. Uh, uh, so yeah, and then we started paddle boarding, and uh, Jay was with Billy, and so we sort of paddled for about f five minutes and realised that Billy and Jay were about 100 metres behind us, right by the beach, so I hadn't, hadn't gone anywhere. And um, so we sort of wait for them, and it turns out Billy hadn't been paddling the whole time, because apparently with a broken toe, he can't stand up and paddle. So, yeah. So we get to this little beach bit, a little cove, uh, and we get off, and there must be some sort of magical healing powers going on, because suddenly he was in the water, having a whale of the time, splashing about without, without caring a word about his toe. Uh, and then, so we start he heading back, and uh, I'm with Billy this time, and uh, I look behind me, and we're not going anywhere, and Billy sat down again with his paddle out of the water, doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, yes, it was a long journey back, but anyway. Um, and now some more sort of personal ones. Um, so, uh, so when I was diagnosed with diabetes, I sort of went back to school the same day, and I, uh, I didn't really want to see anyone. But I remember seeing Billy coming over to me, 
And uh, I sort of told him what happened, and I started crying. And he straight away burst into tears with me. And uh, yeah, I remember sort of he just knew what to say. And uh, he just made everyone feel so, yeah, so happy and welcome all the time. And um, just, it's what he just said what I needed to hear at that time. And uh, he always just knew sort of what to say to me to feel better. And that's what makes him such a big part of my life. He always shared in my sadness and in my happiness. And uh, throughout the years, he'd always check on, check on me and see how my, my levels were and just showed a real, um, real big love and care towards me. And um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be the person I am today without knowing him. Uh, and he taught me a lot about sort of friendship and love and such a pure heart that will never be forgotten. And it, uh, again, touching on from that, like my, my faith as well wouldn't be what it is today without Billy's impact. Um, we attended the same home group for many years, so my fondest memories came from this time. Uh, we'd see each other at school every day, but we'd still manage to find something to talk about for half an hour outside my house at about nine o'clock every night, well, on Wednesday nights after home group. Some really good conversations about God and about the impact on our lives. And, uh, it's helped me to develop a really deep understanding of God and a deeper relationship with God that I feel like I wouldn't have had if I uh, hadn't met Billy. So I'll always be grateful for that, and I'll always love him, as I'm sure we all we we all will in here. And um, yeah, pass on to Harvey. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Um, again, I've got a few stories and comments from close friends. Again, not all able, oh, not all of them are able to be shared, but uh, I've just picked out a few that uh, came up a lot. So. Um, <clears throat> this is from one of Billy's uh, close friends. One of my fondest memories I have of Billy is one of the last times I saw him. We were on our way back to a friend's house one evening uh, when on the way we came across a homeless lady, uh, clearly lost and distressed and in need of help. Billy was exactly the person this w woman needed at the time. Treating her with selfless love and respect, he calmed her down and listened to her story and led her to the nearest bus stop to take care of her and to take her back to a familiar town. Giving her advice while he waited for the bus together, um, then he paid for her bus journey. Uh, Billy really had a heart for those in need. A couple more comments from friends. <clears throat> it was an odd group that didn't necessarily get on, but he made it work and brought everyone together through his guitar and personality. He was never a fair-weather friend either. What shone through to me, and I hate for others, is how he was always there if you needed him. There was always so much love and depth to his humour. And then I've got a couple of things from myself as well. Yeah, so Billy was more than a friend to me. He was more like a brother. He was a brother in the way that I'd grown up with him my whole life, but a brother in the way that uh, I still believe to this day I've spent more days with Billy than without him or away from him. Um, but we were also brothers in the way that from a young age we realized that we were really stuck with each other, uh, whether we liked it or not. And uh, so decided to love each other despite our obvious differences and lack of similar interests. That's what made it special. Um, but he was also a brother in my faith and a brother in Christ. Billy and I both put our trust in Jesus and have, have been able to serve together and help each other grow in our relationship with God. It's this that gives me most hope and joy at this time. 
Billy wasn't hoping in himself, but hoping in what Jesus had done on the cross. I'm not going to stand here and tell you about how perfect Billy was, uh, because even through all of his love and talent and joy, he was just as flawed as the rest of us and imperfect. Um, but the difference was is that he's not, he wasn't trusting in himself, rather he was trusting in Jesus, uh, and he knew that. And that's why we can rejoice today and be certain of where he is. He's in heaven not because of himself, but because of Jesus. And uh, on behalf of both me and Tom, um, well, I'd like to thank everyone for all the support you've given us over the past few weeks. Uh, but also we'd like to say, uh, if you are interested in more what Billy believed personally, uh, in his faith, then please come and chat to us. It's probably our favourite thing to talk about at the moment. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Wow. Well, amazing. Thank you, guys. Carrie, you're going to come and talk up, talk about, about friends and church. I'm just going to shut this door. I'm going to share with you now some messages from our church family. There was a really lovely message from Alberto, a memory of when Billy helped him out by putting some rubbish in the bin for him. His actions spoke volumes, extending far beyond a simple act of assistance. When Alberto expressed his gratitude, Billy's response was as, as casual as it was illuminating, when he said, don't worry, I wanted to stretch my legs anyway, it's okay. It was Billy's way of extending a warm welcome a subtle yet profound gesture that conveyed, welcome to my church, I'll make you feel comfortable. Having spent a long time with young people of Billy's age, his demeanour stood out in contrast to what Alberta was used to, with Billy's selflessness and kindness shining through. This fleeting encounter left an indelible mark. Rodney and Roderick have shared how much Billy made them laugh throughout Nat and Tim's home group. They love remembering how noisy and funny he was. Sally Kidd has a special memory of dancing with Billy at the Thameside Brewery, celebrating his new job. <laughs> Mervyn valued the relationship that Billy maintained with his son, Mark, and says Billy was a constant source of encouragement. A message from Sarah Baldero. In Mark's experience of leading youth home group, he could always rely on Billy to get stuck in, no matter what the activity was. As a childminder, I spent time at Nat and Tim's and found it especially funny when Billy would rant about his English teacher and how challenging he found her. Then my Alex had the same English teacher and I heard the same rants from him. <laughs> Alex and Billy recently developed a friendship that was lovely to see. Billy always made the effort to acknowledge Alex both at school and at lounge. In return, Alex looked up to Billy and enjoyed the golf they'd started playing together, especially when Billy secured him a pint at the driving range when Alex was underage. <laughs> Billy had always held a soft spot in our hearts. It was a privilege to know him, spend time with him, and pray for him. To see his love of Jesus shine with such confidence was admirable. Mrs. Alex says, Billy, 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 you'll be forever etched in our memories <laughs> with a great big grin sticking your head through your mum's big zero balloon at her surprise party. <laughs> when it went pop, you looked at me, sheer panic etched all over your face, with the popped balloon still around you, absolutely terrified I was going to be furious with you. As always, you brought laughter to the evening in only a way that you could. Mr Alex added, We've known Billy since Ethan was one, 
and we've watched him grow into a wonderful young man who lived his life the best way. He's an absolute credit to Nat and Tim, and his faith shone through. We've got to know him well over the last few years, especially as one of the boys, and considered him a friend, not just Nat and Tim's son. He will always be in our heart and thoughts. As for our family, the Butler Wilsons, not me, <laughs> we always think of Billy with a smile. We don't have any particular standout stories, but just beautiful memories of conversations shared in the kitchen, often with him making me a cuppa. When our families get together, we would normally play board games. Just the memories of us howling with laughter will stay with us forever. Billy was always the one with the banter, taking the mickey out of the rest of us. He wasn't just funny, though. He was so, so kind. His care for other people is one of the things we will miss most about him. He was so good with our boys, we really loved him. It was an absolute privilege to do life with him and the rest of the Kerr's Lakes. They became family. We are so thankful that we got to love Billy. We know we will see him again, and he is the happiest as ever been with his saviour. Thanks. You do that one. I could do that. <laughs> there are a million things that Laura and Neil could say about Billy. <laughs> but the most important is, he was just Billy always talking, and lovely to be around. OK, let's have a Bible reading. Arthur, come and um, read to us um, Romans 8. So the Bible reading is from one of Paul's letters, the letter to the church at Rome. But it's also God's word to you and to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do is that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of, sorry, in, in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and to be condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the, of the might be fully restored in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on that nature. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit and is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature can never please God. You, however, are not controlled by your sinful nature, but by the spirit 
the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But it is Christ in you. Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised you, raised Jesus from the dead and is living within you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put death to the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit that makes you alive again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. Thank you. So family, you're going to come and bring us some memories of Billy. Hi, I have loads of memories of Billy, but one of the best would be about four years ago in the summer when we went to Devon and he and Tom came rushing downstairs with a Chewbacca mask on, making weird noises. He would also play Roblox or Minecraft with me if I was bored or if none of my friends were online. He was working so hard on gaining muscles and excited about his own songs being released on Spotify, losing hope over thinking and half a man. Billy knew everyone and he made everyone laugh with the simplest jokes and I'll really miss him. Um, I've got a couple of stories um, from other members of the family to read. So first would be from my granny and granddad. Um, it says, Our earliest and residing memory uh, is of when Billy was born and how strong the brotherly bond was right from the beginning. We remember when the paediatrician in charge of the baby unit said, don't worry about Billy, though he's tiny now, he will fight for his life and become bigger and stronger than all of his peers. And he did. Well done, good and faithful disciple. You're safely home with Jesus. Um, sorry, next, next story is from my Uncle Ben and, and from my cousin Maisie. One time when we were seeing Billy and Thomas in Bournemouth, Maisie was on the phone to one of her friends when we collected them, which I said quietly to them when they got in the car. Billy's face lit up and he said very loudly and excitedly, my name is Billy and I like cranes. <laughs> Everybody laughed, apart from Billy, who kept a glazed, excited look on his face. He proceeded to extensively answer several questions from Maisie's friend about the history of cranes, how long he'd liked cranes, 
cranes in other countries, the best cranes he'd ever seen, and what his favorite crane was. Everybody was equally surprised and amused by this passion of Billy's that he spoke about with absolute authority that nobody seemed to know that he had. Amazed by, his, amazed by the depth of his knowledge, we asked him how he knew so much about cranes. His reply, I don't. I made it all up. <laughs> but it sounded good. Funny, wasn't it? <laughs> Billy's ability to find the funny in any given situation, which then led to very significant and human relationships, even with people he didn't know, was one of his greatest gifts, which he always used to, ref used to reflect love to anybody and everybody that he ever met. There's a Billy-shaped hole in all of our hearts. It's a space that, in time, must be filled with love and with silliness, with compassion and nonsense that can be shared with everyone that we meet. That's what Billy did, and that's what he would want us to do too. <clears throat> right, I've got some memories from Nana and Gramps, first of all. So, when at their old bungalow, the boys used to go to the park just down the road and play football. Nana once asked Billy, what position do you enjoy playing the most? Billy told her it was goalkeeper, simply because it meant he didn't have to run around as much. <laughs> Gramps was and is a guitar player, and Billy, from a very young age, would often take himself into the study and play the guitar and sing endlessly, which just showed how musical and talented he was through all his life. There was also a time when Billy, Gramps and Tom ripped apart the old shed, chopped it all up using loads of tools I hadn't used before. Gramps had to get the ladders out at one stage, so Billy and Tom saw this as a great opportunity to climb onto the flat roof of the extension. Gave everyone a great laugh. Billy loved helping Nana out in the kitchen. He would help set up the tables and was interested in the cooking. One time he asked, Nana, did you make the sausage rolls? Yes, Billy, Nana replied. They're very yummy, he said. Are they, Billy? He then looked at Nana with a smirk, one sausage roll in his hand and another one in his mouth. <laughs> and this is Helen Al, Hallam and Sampson. The Harwoods remember Billy so fondly at family gatherings. Billy found a way to bring everyone together, always with fun and laughter. Not only at the family gatherings, but also in online and snap conversations, he was forever in touch. Billy had such a wonderful ability to engage and talk to anyone. He put everyone at their ease with his welcoming, warm personality. We remember personal renditions of his latest songs. We still laugh at sometimes borderline risky humour. We still smile at how he had a knack of poking fun at us, but doing so with love and kindness. One of Sam's earliest memories is playing Roblox with Billy at Nana and Gramps' house. In more recent years, Sam sought inspiration from the trading and Bitcoin conversations. Yet, Billy did have a more serious side. He could also be very thoughtful, discussing all aspects of personal faith on numerous occasions with Helen. Her most recent memory of Billy was at their lunch together in Staines, where they put the world to rights. We'll always remember Tom and Billy's competitiveness at games. The reoccurring jokes, some of which are far too rude to mention... These memories will remain with us always and continue to help us take the mickey out of the older generation. Music is such a big part of our memories. Hallam and Sam look back fondly on the times Billy played piano. Tom was on guitar and music filled the room. We love playing and singing together. 
Helen now hold dearly to the memories of Billy singing his latest songs, last time only a few months ago. Not all of his passions were so well through. Billy's love for Manchester United Football Club, however, <laughs> they're no arsenal. We all feel Billy leaves such a huge hole in our family and in this world, but we hold warm the memories, love and laughter. Billy's cheeky smile and the glint in his eye will be with us forever. Well, the only time Billy was ever early was when he was born. <laughs> he, was, he was nine weeks early and he was the size of my hand. And as I think it was Thomas said, you know, we were told he'll be big and strong and he really did grow up to be big and strong. Um, he had a wicked sense of humour, as we've already heard. But um, one of our earliest memories of him is when he wasn't even crawling. He was just sitting, doing nothing, as Billy did. And he was 18 months, and in fairness, that was OK. But um, we left him in the lounge, went into the kitchen, came back out, and he was sitting on the windowsill. <laughs> Absolutely no idea how he got up there. And he sat there, clapped his hands and said, digga digga, which is what he said, the only thing he said for his first three years. Um, and we've also heard before that he was very accident prone. He had a habit of breaking lots of bones. He broke a foot, but we didn't realise it for three weeks. Um, he broke an arm, which resulted in two operations. He broke most of his toes. One of them after a karate chop went wrong. And he broke a couple of fingers and a thumb. School. He started as he meant to go on, and on his second day in reception, he slid in on his knees in front of his two teachers and went, Hey, suckers! <laughs> Parents' evening was always a slight worry because we didn't know what they were going to say. Um, and we had plenty of phone calls from Bishop Wand as well. But um, usually the teachers were laughing but telling us he was actually quite funny, but they still had to tell him off anyway. <laughs> um, he was really happy about COVID because it meant he didn't have to sit his GCSEs because he turned around to us and said, we're in that way, at least I'm going to pass now. Um, during this time, he started weight training and going to the gym. And um, from then on, he did not stop flexing his muscles in the mirror. I look wham today. I don't even know what that means, but um, at college, he studied media and music. And it was clear that he had a real musical gift. He played the piano, guitar, and sang all the time, and he was really, really proud of the music that he released and published on Spotify. He had an amazing gift of being able to talk to anyone of any age and a gift of bringing people together, the extent of which we found out mainly since he passed away. He didn't know what he wanted to do as a job, but he wanted to do something different. And when he passed his interview for the prison service, he was so sure that this was what he wanted to do. And we know that his gift of bringing people together and talking would have enabled him to be amazing at it. The day we picked him up on his first day, he was standing in his uniform. He was so proud. He was beaming. And all he could say was, I love it. It's brilliant. It's the best thing. I absolutely love it. And he'd had a rough couple of years before that, for one thing or another. And when someone said to me, how's Billy doing with his training? My response was, Billy's back. Billy was back, and he was the happiest he'd ever been. He was loving the training and all that it involved, and he was taken right in the middle of that. We don't understand why, and we are obviously heartbroken. 
But we know where he is. We know that his love and faith in Jesus means he's in heaven having the best time. We know that this is part of God's plan. I'm not liking it very much, but you know, that's it's God's plan. And God has given us, has actually given us his most amazing peace that has got us through this. Um, we love him so much and the hole that has been left is immense, but we will cling on to Jesus to help us learn to adapt to our new normal. You are amazing people. You really are, thank you. That's really precious. I, I suggest we sing a song, and then we'll have the next reading. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, don't look so worried. Let, let's sing a song. If you need to open the windows, it's getting hot, isn't it? There are lots of us. You're welcome. Um, we'll stand and sing Psalm 23. It's about God being with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, let's stand and sing. Bye. Uh-huh. 
please have a seat. So Jenny, you're going to come and give us the other half of Romans 8. So this is from the last section of Romans chapter 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God's, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those, God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed by the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Thank you. I want to just add a couple of my memories and then we'll get down to business. And the first one really just kind of follows on from what's already been said. There was a day when, ironically, um, Tom was round at our house. No, Billy was round at our house while Natalie took um, Tom um, to the doctors. And within um, half an hour of being there, um, Billy had broken his finger um, <laughs> playing American football with Nathan and Sam. Um, so I took him to the hospital and for a moment in time we thought we were going to be at the same hospital, but we weren't. He had a knack for breaking bones, that's one thing. The second is a time when I was standing in for, for Jeff at their youth home group. So we have these little weekly groups for the, for the kids. And they were learning about love languages. It's a great thing. You can Google it. Um, it's how you can show love to another person, particularly in, in a romantic relationship. So the five things are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, or physical touch. Um, and it's worth finding them out. You Google it and do it anyway if you're in a relationship. But it's a good thing for the kids to understand how they, how they give and express love. And, and we did it as well as leaders. And when they discovered um, that my love language was primarily physical touch, I was sitting in this wingback armchair, and Billy threw himself on top of me um, <laughs> in this big sort of hug. Um, and then the rest of the group kind of threw themselves on top of me as well. And it was, it was that kind of Billy-ness which, kind of, which always found a way to kind of slightly break the rules. Um, but yet to great effect, and quite often leading people in the same direction. <laughs> Hopefully and mainly uh, into a good things. But the third one is fortnight last Thursday, and yeah, it was that Thursday. Um, I was up here rehearsing with a bunch of new musicians um, in the church. Billy couldn't make it because he was away um, with the training. And as we've already spoken about the vocalists here. So Billy and I, we'd stood at the back there the Sunday before and we'd picked the songs for the service. Billy was going to be leading. Um, so we'd picked the songs. He'd chosen the keys in which we were going to sing the songs. And I just remember the faces of some of the vocalists in some of the keys that Billy had picked. He could sing in keys that only dogs could hear. I think that's kind of how you put it. Um, But let's think about grief for a moment. And I don't, think, I don't think I've ever been in a situation like this before where grief has gone out and it has touched um, so many people so powerfully. I'm not sure that I've felt such powerful grief myself um, in my life. And grief, is it not a terrible thing? It's like a snarling animal. One minute you're okay and the next minute it jumps out and grabs you by the throat or it grabs you by the gut and starts to kind of eat you from the inside out. And there seems to be no defense. What do you do? What do you do? Well, first thing I suggest is you note that grief is a measure of value. That's dead obvious when you think about it, isn't it? We grieve because we've suffered a loss. And the size of the grief is proportional to the size of the loss. And the size of the loss is measured by how much we valued someone. So our grief today, and the grief of these people gathered here, and you guys on Zoom, and I hope you're still there in the other room, is a measure of, of Billy's value. 
His value as a son, his value as a brother, his value as a grandchild, his value as a friend. We hurt because we loved him and we hurt so much because he was special. So grief is a measure of value. The second thing I want to say to you today is that grief is a sign that there is a creator. Grief is good evidence that there is a God. So please don't insult me by telling me today that you are horribly grieved that Billy is gone and next week tell me that his life and human lives are accidents of biology, that we are the blind product of time and chance. It would be an insult to the family and to Billy. If you wish to assert that view next week, then you have to assert today that grief is just some kind of evolutionary artifact. That somehow grief is this strange thing that we do and it just helps us pass our genes down. I don't believe that's true. Don't think anybody thinking for a moment would think along those lines. No, grief. Grief is love lost. So grief is a sign that we're made in the image of God, in the image of a God who is love. Not just a God who is love, but a God who understands and knows what loss is like. Love has no meaning unless we're creatures of a loving God. And the Christian God is unique because he is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet he is one God. He's three persons and yet one God. In that sense, he is the perfect little community. He is a God who is love because the three of them perfectly love each other and look out for each other. And we are made in that image. And hence we have grief. And then in history, of course, God the Father sent God the Son to become a human being. And you're going to celebrate that in a few weeks' time. Um, Christmas. It's God the Son becoming human in the person of Christ. What does he do? Ultimately, he dies. The Father gives the Son to be payment for everything we've done wrong. So God the Father, he knows about loss and he understands grief. And Jesus himself, as a human being, he wept at the graveside of his friend Lazarus. He was gutted. He was moved. We're reading a psalm earlier on about crying from the depths. Grief just has got us to the depths of our soul. Thirdly, grief is a foretaste of hell. Grief is, is a taster, just a, a taster of what it is like to be utterly God-forsaken. Can you imagine the, the grief that you've suffered in the worst moments? And then think of that magnified if you had all your relationships taken away from you. What would life be like if all the goodness of, of relationships, of love that God has given us, 
was taken away. That is just a foretaste of hell. Hell is like any, any, every grief you've known multiplied. It is like the, any loneliness you might know without any mitigation or anything to, to make it easier. It's like any shame you've ever known blown up into wall-sized posters to be eternally displayed. It's like all the brokenness of relationship you've ever known poured out on your head. And the, and the worst thing about it, and hence, I wanted, hence we talk about it today, don't talk about it lightly, is that it is eternal. According to the Bible, it is eternal. In other words, there are no second chances. It goes on forever and ever. It is like this thing you were experiencing, but there is no chance of it ever stopping. So what's the way out? Well, the way out is hope. The only analgesic, the only painkiller for grief is, is hope. And not repair shop hope, if you know what I mean. Maybe it's just me. I quite like the repair shop. Um, it's now mainly a daytime program, so I get a bit embarrassed to admit to it. But broken heirlooms are kind of, and treasures, they're restored by these very clever people. And nobody ever asks how much do you think it actually costs, but there we go. And I love seeing the skilled hands at work and the things uh, made good at the end. So the, you know, the, the amazing lady with the, with the pottery stuff, which looks like it's new. But I feel slightly uneasy that it trades on people's grief. So somebody, you know, if, in a sense, would the program mean anything if the person coming didn't say, this is the last thing I have to remind me of my father? Where all I could say is, I need my teddy bear fixing, but I'm quite glad he's gone. In the midst of this emotion, somebody will say, I'm sure he's looking down on me now. I'm sure he's looking down on me now. But what is the basis for that? What on earth is the basis of that on what? Where does that come from? Without some grounds for it, it's just wishful thinking. It's got no basis in fact, and it has all the power of an aspirin and a pat on the back in the midst of grief. We need something much more powerful than that. We need Christian hope. And I think it's Christian hope that you can see um, in Tim and Nat and Tom and Molly. How many families have you seen stand up and give memories of their loved ones? It is a reasoned and reasonable confidence that they will see Billy again. It is an assurance that they will end up in the same place. It doesn't remove grief altogether because we've been brutally ambushed by, by the most devastating kind of loss. But Christian hope brings these two great assurances, quite the quite the opposite of what hell is like. One is there is an end to this. There is an end to this pain. And secondly, there will be a great and grand reunion in the, the greatest party of all time. How can we be sure? It's a big question. It takes time to answer think you have to go back, you have to read the Gospels and look at Jesus for yourself. 
And in his own lifetime, Jesus raised people from the dead. He showed power over death. After his death, he rose again. Again, showing that he has power beyond death. He is who he says he is. He is the only founder of a major religion who claimed to be God. And he's the only founder of a major religion who gave convincing proofs of having died and been raised to life again. Not some near-death experience. It may be fantastical to you now, but how else are you going to explain the, the grief that you feel today? How else are you going to explain love and beauty and art? How else are you going to try to put a value on human beings? You can't. And you can shortcut to the answer by putting it into practice for yourself. Come and finding out a little bit more. Got some books at the back which will help you. Just take it and some little booklets, little green things down there. Please take one. Because if you're here grieving today, it means you've put a value on Billy's life. Isn't it amazing as you look around? Isn't it amazing? He touched so many people of different ages. And I think what strikes me is how many adults would have said he's my friend. Such a powerful, unusual and precious thing. You owe it to him and to yourself to investigate properly the claims of Jesus. And if you hope that this grief, this grief, and grief in general has an end, then you need to investigate Christ. You need to be right with your creator today. Otherwise, you may discover at a time when you least expect it, and that's what's hurt so hard, but you might find it at a time when you least expect it that there is an eternal grief, the other side of death, that is far, far worse. Repair shop hope is not enough. If you want the hope that promises you that you will see Billy again, you need to learn to love Jesus the way Billy did. So let's pray. We're going to be brave and we're going to have a time of open prayer. In other words, if you want to pray out loud now, then feel free. And we'll have a few minutes just to give you that opportunity. If you're going to do that, do it loud and we can all hear.
in your hands. And Father, we say thank you. We say thank you for the witness that Billy is, that he's filled this place because of the gift that you gave in the love and the character and the charisma that Billy had and still will have as we remember him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, I just wanna, wanted to say thank you for Billy and his love for you. And I just thank you for that, that assurance that we have in knowing where he is. And that even though we're the ones that are here suffering and grieving, that he's not facing any of that. Thank you for, for the promise that you've made, the works that you've done so we didn't have to. And thank you for Billy's love for you and the faith in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, uh, annoyingly you made Billy good at music. For someone that's not good at music, he was a great piano player and guitarist and singer. And he loved passionately those things. And Lord, you also gave him the gifts of humour and of friendship. You made him somebody that you would want to spend time with. And Lord, in the last few weeks of his life, you gave him the gift of a career that he was already passionate about. A fulfilling career, Lord, of service. And I recognise some of his colleagues here today and I thank you for bringing them here. He chose to serve. He chose to serve in a way that not many of us would choose to serve. And he loved it. But we thank you for the time we spent with him here. We commend him to you. Amen. Oh Lord, we feel robbed uh, many more years of knowing Billy, but we really thank you for the years that we were given. Even though at short time it feels like we knew him deeply, we loved him dearly. Just Lord, help us to grieve with hope that we do know where he is, and if we put our trust in you, we will see him again. We thank you for the amazing model of Christ likeness that Billy was in his, in his joy, in his, in his laughter, in his care for others. And Lord, may that be life that we seem to live in as well. <coughs>
I'd like to finish with the Lord's Prayer. It's there in your service sheets if you want to, to, to pray along. This is Jesus' all-purpose prayer for us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we're going to commend, commend Billy to God one more time. Let me pray and then we'll sing again. Father God, we give Billy over into your hands. We give up our claim on him and give him to you. You know best. We say that to you through gritted teeth. Your care is better than ours. Again, we say that with difficulty, but it is true. Lord, look after him and keep him safe and keep us safe in your keeping until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to finish with a hymn. It's a great hymn. Celebration. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning in you what God has promised he will do. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I've needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me.
second. On the back of your service sheets, you're welcome to join the family down at the retreat um, to celebrate Billy's life. If you want to give in remembrance of Billy, there's um, some details on the back there too. But let me just pray a blessing over you as we finish. Now to him is... To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for those who've joined us on Zoom. And thank you those who've had to um, fill the overflow seats. We thank you for coming um, and honouring Billy and the family in this way. Thank you.